Hello, and welcome to the show Gold Squadron Gays. It's the podcast where two Star Wars-loving gays break down each episode of their favorite Star Wars TV shows while also being gay as hell. I'm your host, Bradley Brower. I'm your other host, Charles Rogers. We have a guest, but before I introduce the guest, uh, I just need to ask my co-host directly on air, who hurt you? hurt you to make you do that to your head i just want to say that i have also done this to my head so i feel like charles is insulting me too <laughs> bradley bradley has decided to cosplay crosshair and shave yeah. all of his his hair off and i'm just Why wondering not? like did your situation ship break up with you did your sugar daddy not buy you a car like what's going on here <laughs> You know what? Every gay has that moment in their life where they dye their hair blonde. And instead of doing that, I just decided, you know what? I'm not going to do a blonde era this time around because then my hair is going to be fried. So instead, I just shaved it all off because I was like, why the fuck not? Yeah, I've shaved my head before. I was telling them before about <laughs> how I've done that, too. And it's great. And it was like my like butch lesbian phase. It was fine. Well, when you Thanks. do it, it's cool and avant-garde. When Bradley does it, it's ridiculous. No, I did it because <laughs> I was hot at a child's birthday party. <laughs> That see, like see that was a valid reason. <laughs> right, I like that. Anyway, mocking my co-host for his choices aside, we're gonna we're gonna ignore the whole bleach blonde thing and definitely do not go back and look at some of my older pictures. But <laughs> uh guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Hope. I hang out with Charles on For Light and Dice. Um, and I'm also a podcaster and a freelance writer, and I voluntold them to let me be on this episode. because it has my boy doing wonderful things and i will fight for this episode because it's a delight and it's also going to give charles a reason to yell at bradley about star wars resistance because this is a very vox vortex 5000 episode it's it's in my notes it's in my (laughs) notes specifically a moment i was like ah yes this reminds me of resistance and you can tell because like the crew who worked on resistance especially jennifer corbett um she got her start on resistance and this feels like a very resistance episode so but hi i'm hope (laughs) well hope you uh you mentioned that you're on for light and dice with me and and we had uh colton who plays one in the quote protocol droid end quote on uh on last week's episode so do you want to tell us a little bit about who you play on for light and dice um well her name is gauze uh she is a gazo because again i love star wars resistance and we don't have enough gazos and she's kind of become like the de facto aunt of the group and kind of taking care of each other, everybody else, and making sure everyone's eating and stuff. Um, but she's an ex-retail worker who hated her life and decided to jump on a ship and go across the galaxy with strangers because that was better than retail. And now she's on this crazy adventure and taking ca- helping taking care of a bunch of people. And she's kind of sassy and she flirts with everybody. And she's, yeah, I love her. She's my baby. So um, the, and- the Gazo is like a the owl thing from yes. Resistance. Yes. yes, they've oh. only appeared in Resistance and nowhere else. That's Incorrect. So cute. They have Did also they appear somewhere else. They've appeared in um uh, uh the Ahmed Best Show. Um oh my god, a Jedi Temple ta- Challenge as well in one of the story flashbacks, which and those are considered partially canon. And <laughs> okay. they are, I think, in one of the young adult the the young reader comics. There's a Gazo in one of those as well but there's never been a girl gazo which is why i specifically wanted to play a girl i like it yeah such an interesting creature so i like the way it looks i love her design i like twilight
Silex are my favorite. Alien species and Gazas are my second. I just they're a bunch of endearing, dumb, big birds, and I love them all. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that. I really enjoy on the show because um if you've listened to the show, you know that, that the character that I play win and Gaz have an interesting rivalry alliance sort of relationship where they're the only they're the two like adults of the group but Gaz is the adult in the sense of no honey it's gonna be okay we're gonna make sure you're fed we're gonna make sure you get a souvenir here hold my hand so you don't get lost and but Wynn if is you very, but if you fuck putting, with her children she'll stab you yes when is very <laughs> stop putting your hand that close to the stove you're gonna burn it off no you can't have <laughs> kit cats for dinner stop it <laughs> oh my god we are the parents of the girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god no. <laughs> it's like the grump, grumpy like some grumpy aunt and uncle that you like dumped the kids on like they're the they're the single ones at the thanksgiving so they have to watch all of the kids and they're like i'm so old and tired i hate all of this well that's when and meanwhile gaz is like i'm living that dink life i brought you your <laughs> your ps5 that your parents wouldn't get you for christmas there you go child <laughs> it's true you know, Hope puts a lot of love and heart into this character that she plays, and it really comes across, like, in the interactions. I don't know how Gaz feels about one in. Gaz doesn't know how she feels about one <laughs> No one knows how they feel about one in. I, I think, I you know, going through the first story arc, I, I think at first she honestly thought that they were just a protocol droid and a jizz whaler and nothing more. And then she started to see that there was um, a much more understanding sighted kind of underbelly to one in and i think she's finally like so she wasn't sure if they were gonna kill her or not and now it's come around of like you know after you escape a diner being destroyed and go through like mash casualty events and stuff you just kind of trauma bond with people and she's like yeah one in one in didn't get me shot with a bounty hunter so i guess they're fine so definitely trauma bonding uh... <laughs> is that's that's the that's the name of the game of the phantasmal squad crew Please. trauma bonding yeah <laughs> I we just finished our first story arc. They've released at time of recording this episode. There will be the first episode of the second story arc where we get to go to a planet that has not really been seen in Star Wars, which is quite exciting. Uh, Chris has to make up some lore, which is great. Uh, but definitely go check out For Light and Dice if you have not already. It's fantastic. All of the characters are great. Uh, Chris is a fantastic DM. There is murder and mayhem and trade goods. And, and comedy and horrible flirting that always fails i think i've yet to actually succeed in flirting at any time and and there's at least one horrible lime green t-shirt and i will say this ahead of time there is a scene with a loth cat hat in the upcoming episode that changed my life i'm so sad that wasn't changed in... my I... life I'm so sad that wasn't in this week's episode. I was so looking forward to it. I, I won't spoil it, but if if you listen to For Light and Dice, listen for the Loth Cat hat scene. By by the way, it was specifically a Loth Rat hat. Oh, it's a Loth Rat hat. Yes. <laughs> I don't think you heard me because I Oh, I thought be... it was a Loth Cat hat. No, because it's Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh my god! 
That's the whole point. Oh my god. <laughs> you didn't, didn't hear me. And I, was I like, didn't oh, even realize it. Whatever. Um, but yeah, Charles is just being super sweet. Like, like he puts so much heart into win, and we all put so much like heart and love and care into these characters. And uh, like, it's it's just the greatest joy and pride of my life to be able to hang out with these cool people all the time. I can confidently say, and this is the highest praise I can give my DM and my fellow players, that if you like the High Republic, you will like this show. Before we move on to a show that is, in my opinion, not quite as good as For Light and Dice, uh, but still basically okay, I have a massive thing Charles fucked up that we need to address. <laughs> that I DM'd you about? Well, here's the thing. You are not the only person. Uh-oh, what did you do this time? So... <sighs> Thank you to the multiple people, Hope included, who have let me know that thanks to the fact that I was doing this on the fly and was checking the IMDb page and completely missed quite a few things, I missed basically all of Tasia Valenza plays um, Tawny Ames in the Bad in the Bad Batch episode Solitary Clone. Basically all of her Star Wars credits I missed. So I'm going to rectify that now because this woman has been in a lot of Star Wars. In working in reverse chronological order, we are going to go with in Star Wars Resistance, and this is the one that Hope DM'd me about. <laughs> she is the voice of Venetia Doza. How dare you? She is the voice of the greatest mother of the series and one of the best mothers of the galaxy, Vanessa Doza. Put some respect in her name, boy. Uh, she in the Clone Wars, she is the voice of Shakti. And then as far as other video game work, she was in, she has a, a pretty long stretch of time. She's she's not been in a lot of Star Wars games, but she they go back because she was Kalidio Dejanis in 2011 onward in Star Wars The Old Republic, as I mentioned. Uh, but she was also uh, several voices, including Aura Singh in Star Wars Galactic Battlegrounds in 2001. She was Aura Singh again in Star Wars Demolition in 2000. And in 1999, in Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the video game, She's the voice of Gungan female, Coruscant female, and one of the two, uh, I think it's Twi'leks that hang out with, yeah, it's Twi'leks that hang out with Sebulba. So, sorry I missed her entire Star Wars resume. There you go. Uh, you've <laughs> now learned that Tawny Ames has been voicing Star Wars characters since 1999. Just a, just a few characters. Not, just not a too few many. characters. She's mainly known as, as Vanessa Doza and Shakti. But you mistake. That's why you always look up the Wikipedia, not the IMDb. I, yeah. I usually do, or I usually <laughs> spot it on the IMDb, like I did that. But this time I was trying to get through the episode so fast. And I remember like my eyes going over resistance because I usually say the Star Wars at the end, uh, but I just completely forgot to bring it up. So now that that massive oversight on my part is out of the way, thank you to everyone who let me know about that. I'm glad you're listening to the show and enjoying it. Bradley, do you want to take us into, uh, into the latest episode of The Bad Batch, which is what we will be talking about? Absolutely. So this week, uh, we're talking about episode four, uh, where the team enters the colorful and dangerous world of racing. Charles uh, and Hope. So you know the drill. What's one thing you liked, one thing you did not? I'll let Hope start since you're our guest. Can I say all of it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that my boy Tech got to do things. Uh, <laughs> so I, I I loved this episode. My one thing though. Um, I am... 
I really like. Does that have to be a shallow thing or a deep thing? It can make be it shallow or... as fuck. No, it, make it shallow it, as fuck. Yeah, because like, like, it was this show is not that deep. <laughs> Excuse you. I would like some of the show to be that deep in me specifically, but um, no, I. So here's the thing about me. Um, I'm asexual, and I am only like really just like oh my god, like over fictional characters because when it comes to like real life, I get very sexually pulsed. And I knew I liked this episode because Tech is my boy. He's always been my favorite Bad Batch member. Like I love him being neurodivergent coded, and I just I feel so much with him I, I relate to him so much and I was watching this episode and I was like I really enjoyed it and stuff and I get to the end after the racing and the credits are rolling and I'm sitting there and I just kind of go quiet and I'm like I'm hot <laughs> I'm so hot right now. Oh my god. Just to see him like so active and doing something. Like season two has been feeding my my tech love. And it's just, I, it's it's so great to me. And I think that was probably my favorite thing about the episode was him finding something outside of the batch. Because I think that's both very important. And I do think it ties back to Crosshair last week of like why Crosshair stays with the Empire versus the batch finding things outside of of their programming because he says to Teo he's genuinely interested in racing it's a and it's if he continues this it becomes a hobby which becomes a part of his character which becomes a part a piece of himself and it helps him develop his personality so I'm I really enjoyed watching him find something that he genuinely enjoys that's not clone work that's not soldier work that's not mercenary work and it's outside the batch something he like fundamentally really enjoys so that, that would be like my small thing because because that's what Crosshair doesn't have, and that's why he stays, because he's not ready to face who he is when he's not defined by his trait. You do have to pick one thing you disliked. <laughs> oh, one thing I still dislike. Um, it might not be about the episode itself, but it's been really frustrating hearing the whole filler label being thrown around with this episode. That's I really hate that label. It really makes me upset because character development is plot, and I think we in like this world of binge watching and streaming where we've gone. From like the old cable days of getting like 24 episode shows to like 10 or 12, we've lost like so much of the character development, like adventures of the week kind of episodes because this had big character development, especially for Sid. And this probably set up some major implications at the end of the season, like further down the line. And this had some like smaller, because I think spoilers, spoils of war did better job with tech, but this still of course developed him and character development is plot. And I knew you were going to ask me this, so I pulled it up. Um, There's a quote from amphibia creator matt braley talking about the dreaded filler word and he said be careful about skipping episodes because you think they look like filler you may get to the end and not realize you missed the journey completely so like i, I think that's probably been my the thing i disliked is i came out of this episode loving it it's probably my personal favorite bad batch episode ever just to get a line and everyone being like this episode's not important it's filler and i'm like it's not <laughs> i would agree 100 with that i I think part of the beauty of the animated shows too is that they do get to have, when they do an episode and it's really successful like this, where it's it really is showing you something new or something interesting about the characters or their relationship with each other, their relationship with themselves, that can be really good. Like part of my issue with Infested, which is uh, Bradley and I's least favorite episode from season one, uh, part of my issue with that episode was that it was a glaring missed opportunity to do 
something interesting with Sid's relationship with the Batch and the episode didn't take it. So it was very nice and I'll touch on it a lot when we get specifically into the episode, but it was really, really nice. Yeah, to get some development on Sid and Tech and mostly Sid, but even that was really, really nice. And we got to see a little bit too of like her relationship with Omega and it's fun. You're allowed to just have fun on these shows. Yeah, to quote shitty ass Perrin from Andor, what does everything have to be sad and boring in Star Wars all the time? I mean- I, I, will, per I will permit this because in this case, Perrin is correct. Yeah, I just, when it when it comes to filler, like, I, I always think of an example of, like, my best friend and her husband. And, like, they wanted to watch Clone Wars, but they didn't want to watch, like, all of Clone Wars. So they pulled up a list of, like, the quote-unquote most important plot episodes of Clone Wars. And so when they got to season seven, they were watching Ahsoka fight Maul, and they're like, why is Ahsoka able to beat Maul? And I literally sat down and wrote out every battle Ahsoka had over all seven seasons. I was like, she's faced Grievous, like, two to three times. She's done this and this and this and it's because they didn't watch the episodic quote-unquote filler episodes and you, they missed the journey of how Ahsoka could get to that point. Are you ready for my one thing I liked and, and one thing I didn't? Yes. Okay so my one thing I liked about this episode was it's just a really well-directed episode. Like there's three separate race scenes all of them are really engaging and entertaining and action-packed especially the last one I really liked. I just I was watching it and I was like yeah this is this is the kind of thing that I feel like George Lucas would have wanted to watch because he famously loved racing stuff, uh, shoved it into Phantom Menace. Uh, it was just a really well-directed episode. but And that can be tricky to do to make it so that it doesn't seem like it's repetitive or it's, you know, repeating itself over and over again. But I really liked that. I was watching, I was like, yeah, this is some really impressive action directing, impressive directing, impressive editing. They just really nailed the racing scenes in this one, which definitely makes sense because it's a lot of the same team as Resistance. Distance, yes, which was a is. racing show <laughs> or a show that took place on a racing platform. I think my one thing that I... Uh, my one thing that I dislike, I think Wrecker's role in this episode I wasn't very happy with. Uh, I was glad that Tech was getting some spotlight and some interesting thing, but Wrecker didn't do a whole lot this episode except make a handful of quips and stand there asking questions. And I thought that the there was a great little moment where Wrecker's like, you have to be, no, you can't be in last, you have to be out in front to win. <laughs> like, that was the kind of moment that I wanted to see with his interplay with Tech, and I didn't feel like I got that at all. I feel like Omega had a great little moment where she stands up for Sid. Sid had character development this episode. Tech had character development this episode. But Wrecker was just kind of there. And I I just felt like that was another missed opportunity on the show's part. Interesting. Bradley, what about you? One thing you liked and one thing you did not. So I kind of like, it's like a half agree with you, but also kind of the similar thing. Like, I feel like I really liked the fact that Hunter and Echo were not in this episode. Because I think what we learned last week was that if you center on one character of the Bad Batch and you give them an episode to breathe and like have character development and give them something to do, uh, that's not necessarily with the rest of the batch. Like, it's really nice to see. 
and it gives them a lot of character development. And I think like this episode was truly Tech's episode. And I think you're right. I think honestly, even Wrecker could have not been in this episode. If you could have taken him out. It wouldn't have changed a thing. Like if you just had Omega and Sid helping Tech do the race or whatever, like that would have been perfect. I think that would have all you needed, you know? So that's one thing I actually really liked about the episode. Uh, one thing I did not like about the episode was that they didn't just go ahead and make this pod racing because I I love pod racing and I, I'm with George Lucas. I think pod racing is great. You've already developed another kind of like you have pod racing and then now you have your stupid resistance racing, whatever that show is. And then you have now this third racing. Like, why do we need all these different racing? I get that there's a universe of like planets and they all have their own version of whatever racing. But like you could have just done pod racing and called it a day. And that's Buddy, what I, I got wanted. some bad news for you about how many different types of <laughs> racing are in the Star Wars galaxy. There I'm just are- saying so many i wanted it to be pod racing okay i just want to see tech in a pod race that's all i wanted okay i just want to uh-huh. see tech in my pod <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> oh i was told to say this <laughs> so um i would like well, oh god what did i say um now i'm embarrassed uh that i would like to see text to take and move around text gear shift it was something like that okay <laughs> you told me um, to say it beforehand and i forgot yeah it was it was something like uh i i'd like to move text gear shift faster or something it was faster. something like that yeah anyway so that's the name of the episode faster the innuendo is it's his penis <laughs> For those of you who don't, for those for those of you who somehow yeah. missed the E for explicit rating on this podcast, um, there you go. On <laughs> Make that sure note. you double check that. <laughs> don't let your kids listen. Right. I mean, you can, but you might have to explain some things. You're gonna have to. Uh, mm. You see, when there is a very hot animation character, honey, little Timmy, just sometimes you just want to move his gear shift about and make him go faster. It's fine. So we open up on Ord Mantel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say. We open up on Ord Mantel. Um, Wrecker and Omega are playing the strategy game. Uh, And I actually, I have a note here uh, that looking at the board, like the way they're playing the game, Wrecker is doing surprisingly well at this game when Omega beats him. Like, I think he has like two pieces left to her one or something. Like, it's not like she's absolutely crushed him. So shout out to Wrecker for apparently being not awful at this strategy game. I mean, I I think that... That was also a big part of the season opener is Wrecker's actually really smart when it's something within his field. Like he puts together a walking bomb and tells Hunter how to dismantle the tank so he can put together the tank and carry it. Like Wrecker is an is a demolition engineer. Keyword engineer. <laughs> like he's actually smart in certain things. And I think that's I've been really enjoying watching a scene those like peek through. There was a great scene in in like episode seven of the first season or something. Uh, seven or eight i think i think it's eight episode eight of the first season where um they're in brock and he's teaching omega how to disarm a bomb oh yeah uh, like 
he's rattling off all these technical terms. It's like, oh no, Wrecker knows exactly what he's doing when it's a thing that Wrecker wants to learn about. Yeah. Like, I I don't like the characterization all of Wrecker as just being completely dumb or, like, completely immature. He's very impulsive, but we also saw during Order, his Order 66 moment, he's not stupid. No. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, he's never been stupid, and I think that's been something that the fandom has given. And I, that's actually what I like about him in tech in this episode is their their strength is the other's weakness and i find them that they balance well so like tech's taking care of like rebuilding Taya while like wrecker's doing the heavy list lifting and at no point do they put down the other for their weakness because they are the other strength i love that it's almost like that's an overarching theme of the show or something <laughs> tech mentions that hunter and echo sir not appearing in this episodes are off moving crates of nerf nuggets look the hunter echo doordash au is a godsend of fanfic writers i don't want to hear it like i need that au written now and i need to relay a a sort of stream of consciousness that i had in the divas discord while we were discussing this um because somebody brought up oh are they just like chicken nuggets and i'm like well generally speaking nowadays tip yip is chicken because every time you go to the parks it's like tip yip is is generally code for chicken at the docking bay or um uh, Ronto seems to be like a kind of beef, like a hot dog type thing. I was like, what are Nerf nuggets? Well, Nerfs are like cows, right? They're like cow right. type things. Nerf herder. That's so if it's talking like, them, yeah. is it like beef nuggets? And I'm like, why would they be transporting like beef nuggets? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, you know what I wonder what a Nerf nugget is? I wonder if it's raw fertilizer. So now I have the mental image of Hunter and Echo being stuck on a ship with 50 <laughs> crates of Nerf shit. And that is the funniest thing. And I can't get it out of my head. Well, thankfully, Wikipedia says that it's a dish, not shit. Um, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's really funny, though. I mean, it's hilarious, but it's fucking hilarious. It's disgusting as well. <laughs> Yay, my DoorDash AU still lives. <laughs> Thank you, Bradley. <laughs> I just, I, I had to say that that was what I now perpetually imagine that that is. Yeah, because Wikipedia also says that Chewbacca has ordered Nerf Nuggets before at a bar, so... Uh, yeah, Charles. Are, are, you, are yeah. you really trying to out-minutia my shit joke, Bradley? <laughs> and by that I mean bad joke, but also joke about um, shit. According to the audiobook, um... <laughs> Really? Really? Oh my god. Really? Oh my god. Do another um, I'm, Charles. I'm actually you right now. <laughs> do another Charles impression. Do another Charles impression. Well, a Charles impression is just tech, but like even worse. You gotta go, he you gotta go higher and more nasally. Yeah, right. you gotta go higher and more nasally with it. Like uh, the divas have this down pat, uh, Steph and Chris. Yeah, uh, they have a very kinda You kind of have to go sort of nasally with it. Well, in, in Darth Vader number 431, you kind of have to do that with it. Apparently, that's what I sound like. Okay. You're the kind of guy I would have thrown out of my comic book store. Um, <laughs> I'm the kind of guy who would absolutely <laughs> yeah. deserve to be thrown out of a comic book store. 
I love it. No, but no, no. But but just for the reason of being fucking insufferable. <laughs> Imagine no. having to live with me. I kid, I kid. Do you have anything in the bar that we haven't covered that you specifically want to bring up? I know it's a short scene, but it's a good... I do have something because I okay. think it's it's very important to kids, us kid, to Sid's story. Um, She specifically mentions like, hey, stop playing that. You're going to run up the power bill. And I think that builds really well on what she was telling Hunter in the very first episode of the season. She is very very aware that her operation is going to be coming to an end. Eventually the Empire will come for them. And she is at this point where she is almost pinching pennies, where she is splitting the batch and sending them on different jobs because she's A, trying to get more money, and B, she's trying, like that part of the reason I think she was at the racing thing because she's trying to kind of spread her business and seeing what's work. Because if she has to cut and go, then she'll at least have different outs. And if one of her outs is, hey, I have a very successful racer over here, I'm going to go over there. But the the Powerbow line like really caught my ear because I think she's starting to get to a point where she is feeling the pressure of the Empire. And it will come. They're okay right now, but she is pinching pennies so hard right now. And... I, it, it's really going to be playing up, I think, like setting up for like later down the season. And I'll touch back on this when we get to more Sid development. But I do think that's a very important scene because it's showing her fear and part of the reason why she's double working the batch because she knows the end is coming and she's trying to get every little credit she can get. That was just really good and complete. So I'm going to move on to Zafatoma. Safatoma is New Planet. We've never seen it anywhere before. Bad Batch has been doing this a lot, actually, I've noticed. Uh, three other than Ord Mantel, which doesn't really count, uh, and Coruscant, which also doesn't really count. Th all th two of the three mission planets uh, have been New Planets. Desix, not D6, Desix, and Safatoma are both New Planets, while Sereno was obviously from the Clone Wars. So they head in here and it's like this racing thing. And the minute they they were like, oh, it's a racing thing. I was like, I know what the plot's going to be. There's going to be a high stakes thing. Something is going to go wrong. One of them, probably tech based on the trailer, is going to have to be in the racer. And they're going to win the, the thing and they're going to get out of there. And I was completely right about this entire plot. So yay me. Now, I will use that to say that does not mean this plot was bad. Tropes are not bad, and stories exist in the form they do for a reason. Just because I immediately clocked what the plot of the episode was going to be doesn't mean the episode wasn't enjoyable. In fact, it was quite enjoyable. And honestly, honestly it was kind of more enjoyable because I was like, okay, I can settle in and enjoy this episode because I basically know what's going to happen. I was... Yeah, like, I, I was the same way, because, like, I knew this was the tech racing episode, and I was just like, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here, it's here, my boy's gonna drive, it's gonna be great. But actually, like, Teo was the wild card for me, and I was just like, hi, Ben Schwartz! <laughs> and and also Malegi, like, those two as well. Like, those were the kind of, like, the wild cards of this episode. And and you're right, like, I think tropes are really, really great, um, because it's not about not using a, a trope, it's how can you use a very well-known trope in a different way and i think they did a really good job of finding different ways to using a very well-known tropes because this has a lot of similarities to the first episode of resistance yeah a hundred percent uh this this episode did really feel a lot like a love letter to resistance to be honest the whole bit with tech's name when they were announcing it was very much like the kaz kaz <laughs> from the first episode <laughs> it's resistance is a good show i promise don't give me that look bradley I was told to bully you. He gave me $20, too. I, I, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I saw I saw the first season, maybe, I think, some oh. of it. I don't know. Honestly, I know Captain Phasma was in it, so that's why I watched it. That was about it. I mean, other than that, I don't remember a single thing from that show. <laughs> I was about to say, name one thing in Resistance that's not Phasma. Stop. Oh, wait, isn't Captain Cardinal in that? No. Oh, wait, isn't no, that Major Von Reg? There, there is a, a red. There's Resistance. a red one, but it's not the same red one. Yeah. It's not the same person? If you want to believe he is, go ahead. I was going to say, because uh, the whole then point in the audiobook in the is that... <laughs> That's so annoying because Captain Cardinal in the in the Phasma book was special because he had the red armor. Well, he's okay. off being. Uh, oh Christ, is he off being? No, I don't want to spoil the books, but um, he's he's not uh, around at this point. Where to go? Not spoiling the books. Wah, wah. I'm not going to say in what context he's not around, uh, but. I do know that uh, based on my knowledge of the duology, uh, he is he is not presently doing First Order things at this point. Also, you should read Phasma and also um, Black Spire because both of them are very good books. And, and you can all, meet Vimerati at the I park. I say, I've met her. also Disney, that's the show you need to do next. Okay, <laughs> just throwing that out there. The Phasma, quote, Vimerati show is what you need to do next. If you want to start yeah, doing is, new stuff in the new trilogy. Is my Vimerati show? That's Vimerati... She showed up at the end of one of the uh, Halcyon comics, I think was her most recent appearance. Where the fuck is she? She hasn't been in anything other than that comic for a while. And it's like, you've got this POC and ace character, which is fucking awesome. And she's a face character at the parks and you're not using her anywhere for anything? Like, where, where is she? I mean, do you trust these people to actually make an animated show that can make her skin tone right? No, I do not. And do you do you also trust these people after Tales of the Jedi and the erasure of Kaiden Larte to like do good, proper queer content? Absolutely, I do not. Yeah, so. Maybe not, maybe not these, this creative team. Maybe we get a different creative team. Maybe we hire some women for that creative team. That's an idea. Queers and some non-binary writers too. That would, that would be excellent. Some trans writers, you know, to actually make Omega trans and. This is all wild speculation, of course. Uh, they would never, ever do any of this. No, I, to be honest, I, as much as I love Star Wars animation, I don't trust these showrunners as far as I could throw them and I can't throw them very far. I'm very out of shape. They, yeah, we'll, they won't go far. <laughs> we'll get to that two notes from now. Uh, I want to compliment sandwich them a little bit though um, before I get into that segment uh, and just parrot a tweet that I think you made hope. And I want to talk about this crowd animation. Oh, I did write that. I was like, where did I do that? Yes, I did. It looks so good. Where you made the very correct point on Twitter that in the Clone Wars days, they would have had two models. They would have had human man and human woman. I, I, I will never forget watching Star Wars Rebels for the first time. It was the first episode after uh, Minister Tua died. And somebody has her model in the background with different hair color. And I was very confused because I thought she was just like, uh, she lived and she was living an undercover life on Lethal because it's her exact same face, skin tone, and hair shape, just a different hair color. And I was so confused and I was looking for her. So yeah, the crowd, the crowds of, I, I, I think that's one thing that's done really well. And like, once I look back at the pictures, there's a few like similarities between them. And like one is there, this is our Mando man, face man <laughs> that they used on Mandalore. 
But uh, yeah, it's the technology. Also, is Coruscant, bizarrely, that human male model shows up on Coruscant. It's really weird. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the initial crowd shot, and at least in the crowd that uh, the main characters are in, every single character is a unique model, which is probably the reason it got delayed a year because it's really quite impressive that they managed to do this. I'm starting to think more and more that maybe it got delayed because they wanted both Andor and Tales of the Jedi to come out first because this season has been singing very well with those two shows. Like, if if, if Andor is the main chorus and Tales of the Jedi was the amuse-bouche, this is like the fine wine paired with both of them because it's really building on the very good Separatist Dooku stuff that from that and like it's playing with a lot of the themes in the changing empire of Andor and so it's it's really reminding me so much of those and it, it just pairs so well so I'm, I, I'm starting to think that maybe the delay was purposeful because they wanted those two shows to come out first. The show's fine but it's coming at the end of being so full of good Star Wars that I'm like I'm just vibing with this. That it's the fun. comfort food before you go to bed. So it is time now for the segment of every episode, which I am still workshopping a title for, but is tentatively called Whose Goddamn White Baby Is That? Where I tell you my observation watching The Bad Batch in the dark on my high def TV in the living room, which is about as good a picture quality as you can get without going to the theater to watch it, how white the clones are. Disclaimer, I am a white person. Uh, that is also important to keep in mind. It depended on this episode on the shot. It depended on the lighting and it depended on who was in frame. So there was an early, the reason I put it here is because the first time I noticed it, there's some shots where Omega and Wrecker and Sid are together and Tech kind of has his face covered. Those shots, I was like, damn, Omega looks significantly whiter than Wrecker. Which, one of the points that has been raised by POC people who have been commenting on this issue has been the fact that Wrecker being the darkest out of all of them, like noticeably the darkest, while also being the most impulsive and characterized as sometimes the most aggressive, is also really bad. But in this shot of Omega and Sid and Wrecker, Omega is noticeably lighter than Wrecker is. Now, Later on, there's a shot where they're in the pit, like they're down in the pit crew, and it's Omega, Wrecker, and Tech. And Omega and Wrecker actually kind of look like the same skin tone. They both look kind of darker. Uh, Tech looks noticeably whiter than the two of them. So in this episode, it just sort of depended on what the lighting of the scene was, which is not great. Some shots, they got the skin tones closer. I'm not going to say they've got it yet. Uh, and then sometimes I'm like, uh, that's a white person. This is badly lit, and that's a white person. So that concludes my analysis on how badly did they fuck up the whitewashing. Uh, the answer is not quite as badly as last week with Crosshair, but still pretty bad. This is the episode that's also in the most sunlight, because in the first episode... Uh, they were wearing the helmets during a lot of the daytime shots and because I, I write reviews and stuff I'm always looking for screenshots and it's very hard to get pictures of their faces in the light because they're always on the, like the marauder or it's a nighttime shot or it's like or or they're like in back alleys or something like that so there's a lot of shadows to really hide their skin tone and this was the first time where it's like here's three of them phases out in the sun it's definitely very noticeable absolutely yeah. and there was a shot on like the beach in the first episode where Omega looked better 
uh, I noted this in our our first episode when where it's that beach lighting, it's that flat beach lighting, and she looks better than she did last season. Uh, but it does seem to continue to be a case by case basis. And again, as I mentioned last week, I am specifically pointing out the skin tones because that is the thing the creators said they went back and adjusted. You know what I would like, and I feel this way about Tales of the Jedi and the whole Caden Larton. Larte is it? Kaden, I want to Larte. Ah, I can't talk tonight. Thing is, I just want an honest to God statement of, hey, we fucked up. We hear you. And like, because I understand how hard animation is to change. They, you know, they were for for context. If you want to know how far in development these are usually, and they were working on the first season of resistance in season two of rebels so like it's really hard to go back but first and foremost it starts in the design phase and if you look at concept art of the bad batch season one it's in the design phase like their their skin tones are to be this white in this light so it starts there and that was the mistake from the get-go i wish that like jennifer corbett and brad rao and he is the executive producer even though he's not the showrunner or writer or any of that Dave Filoni. Like, I want them to actually have a statement of like, hey, we hear you. We understand that we fucked up. We are working on this and not having to be pressured by like an interviewer for Collider to bring it up, you know, like take the initiative of just like, we are doing this. We understand that the pain this has caused because like they did it like you know like that that would go a long way for me personally like and when i say me personally i'm talking about the tales of the jedi mishap i am also a white person i can't speak for anybody here but like i know when it came to the tales of the jedi stuff like if they actually just came out and was like hey we fucked up that would have made me feel a lot better about that scenario because at least that we would know as fans that they're taking accountability and they they're hearing it and they're, we can continue to hold them accountable statements go a long way that concludes our uh our section on how goddamn white these people are uh, that I feel obligated to bring up every week in perpetuity until it is fixed. It's because I don't want to give this show praise without mentioning that at every single opportunity. Also, shout out to Hope. The screenshots that she takes that she's mentioning are excellent and oftentimes will pop up in the Google results for episodes when uh, I make our TikToks with the screenshots in the background. That's on purpose because your bitch knows how to work a Google Analytics. Uh, well, those screenshots have made it into the background of some of our TikToks. I know SEO and how to manipulate photos for algorithm reasons. <laughs> People should hire Hope uh, to do their SEO and pay her money. Yes, please. We are introduced to a new droid character, Tao, being voiced by Ben Schwartz. Ben can Schwartz. I, can I introduce him? Please go ahead and introduce oh, Ben Schwartz. So I have an incredibly boring superpower that I can somehow always find Ben Schwartz in an animated series. And for uh, this completes his animation, like Four Horsemen of the Blue Apocalypse, because Ben Schwartz is now Teo, who is a blue droid. He was Dewey Duck in the reboot of DuckTales, which he has the exact same. He actually says, just like Teo, I regret nothing multiple times after doing stupid things. He is also Leo in Rise of the T. TMNT because of course he had to be a Ninja Turtle and the blue one at that and he's the voice of live action Sonic the Hedgehog in the two movies which are so good and that's probably Jim Carrey's one of Jim and Carrey's best roles and his renaissance callback to his 90 days. So we have what's called a Disney trifecta which is you have to appear in a Star Wars thing, a Marvel thing, and a mainline Disney thing. Uh, so he's the voice of, because he's the voice of Lou Tarleton in MODOK is one that I see. He may be in something oh, else yeah. but I don't know. That is technically a Marvel thing, I believe. That is technically a Marvel thing. Yep, it is. So between that and DuckTales and Star Wars, however Teo did not complete his Disney trifecta because 
In addition to being on Parks and Rec, where most people are going to know him from, Ben Schwartz was a voice consultant for the voice of BB-8 in Star Wars The Force Awakens. So he's actually been uh, tangentially related to a Star Wars before. He was also an uncredited as a stormtrooper in The Force Awakens as well. So he has, a he all he needs to do is be in a Star Wars TV show live action and he'll have what we call a Star Wars trifecta, <laughs> which is where you appear in a Star Wars movie, a Star Wars TV show, and in a Star Wars cartoon. So he's close. He's almost there. He just needs to appear in a TV show. Andy Circus is almost there too. He just needs the animated. We oh. do have uh we do have two people, I believe no, three people who have that distinction. I believe it is Ming Na Wen. No, not Ming Na Wen. She doesn't have that yet. She we found the thing uh, no, Ming Na She Nguyen wasn't in a Star Wars live action movie. Yeah, she wasn't in a movie. She yet. wasn't in a movie. It's Genevieve O'Reilly and uh Forrest Whitaker. Could ooh. Does it have to be a live action movie or just a movie? Well, that's the two people who have played the same character. Because I I propose Matt Lanter because he was in the Clone Wars movie, which is a theatrical release, so it's a movie. He was Anakin, Uh, and then he was in Mandalorian. We we consider a live action movie to be the the criteria for. No, I will fight you over. No, no, and you have to play the same character too. No, so this that's is kind my of like to, the double. This is my hill like, I die on: is that Clone Wars is a theatrical release. Skywalker film must be included in people's rankings. I this is my my Star Wars hill. I will always die on. I will step. Where do you live? I'll come step you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, close mean... close to you. I can I can give you his address. No, no. <laughs> I don't want to scare Bradley that much. I do! But there was a time where I thought you were made up and I could make that happen. <laughs> I'm just going to keep blasting through here. So we get also introduced later on in the same scene to, I'm skipping over some tech and Teo banter. It's very cute. It's super uh, cute. It's super cute, super fun. Uh, we are introduced to another new character, Malegi. Would you like to know who is voicing Malegi? I know, yes, but I wrote please. about it. Malegi is being voiced by Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, you probably know as Winston Zedmore from Ghostbusters, but he also has 251 acting credits. This is his first appearance on a Star Wars thing, but just scrolling through the IMDb. I know him from Miss Congeniality those movies uh he plays the fbi director in those movies and so and those are my favorite movies does. ever yeah oh. so those i literally miss congeniality is like my deserted island like choice for like movies like if i had to pick like three movies whatever like miss congeniality and miss congeniality 2 are like two of my movies that makes <laughs> so much sense for what i know about you as a person <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, he's he's just been in too much stuff. There's so Oh yeah, much no. I mean, I knew here. I recognized his voice when I was watching the episode because I was like, I've seen I mean, I've heard him. Like I know who that is. Like I had to look it up afterwards to figure out who he was, and I was like, "Oh, I've seen him in like probably a million things." Yeah, if but you've seen great. an episodic TV show, you've seen Ernie Hudson in an episode of that TV show. He's been in so many things, it's insane. Also, Beautiful, beautiful voice. Yeah, oh yeah, like he was, he's so good in this role. Like it's not a, he gives it this like nuance and depth that makes it more than just like a baddie of the week. Like he just, it, it's like listening to Velvet and there's so, 
he he plays one of those characters like where he's talking and you're like i want to listen to you more and it's a trap because his character will stab you <laughs> i I, like, I would I like his character to stab me i would like his character uh in a context with some depth he can uh, wreck me. specifically Fine. some depth inside of me wow i am really just going going I mean, on this is a thirsty episode. It's hope's hope is here bringing this out of me. I mean, that's the thing. It, like it, he he has a big mouth. If he wants to like trim up my lady <laughs> garden, it's fine. I don't need my lady garden anymore. Oh my god! His not not the uh, not the pink milk reference. I I will always not like the, love the lady him. Garden. I will always love him for that. Like look, Maleki is great like he's a he, like he's a very great design character i love like downtowns i think that's what it's called a oh i love those yeah those aliens uh, Dalton, are so cool Dalton, yeah. i think is how you pronounce it that's, that's such a great design his voice yeah. is great he has depth and i his face is absolutely suitable it's great uh we haven't really seen a lot of them there was you know they were in the force awakens it was that one in the force awakens uh the biggest Dalton character we've really gotten thus far is panada from the High Republic. Oh, I would have argued the Ninth literal... Sister. Oh, right. Ninth Sister was a Dalatin. Yeah, I would argue her. I forgot I about this because... Oh, that's from the Fallen yeah. Order games? Yeah, from the Fallen Order game, because she's mostly covered by armor. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, that is a Dalatin. I, yeah, I, let's I love bring her. that character back, because that's I, cool. I love her in the, the Vader comics, yeah. Like, she can wreck me, too. It's fine. Anyway, <laughs> Malegi, call me. Yeah, we like you. We get into the first of, uh, well, we actually had the first race. Well, we had the first race right at the beginning, and now we're in the second race. So we're in the race with uh, Teo that they've bet on. My only real note about this race, this race is just a lot of setup for the ultimate race that we're going to have. I only have a uh, couple of notes for this. I actually have a few more than I thought. There's a shot of like a protocol droid inside one of the cockpits. I was like, is there a protocol droid racing? Is this like the droids cartoon? Did they shove C-3PO into like a racing pod? Is this at the end where they're introducing all the droids? Because that was a great moment. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. That's okay, later on okay. when they're introducing all the characters. It's no, like but a you're right. Droid. I think we did see a protocol droid in the beginning because it's like they kind of show quick shots of some of them. They do and quick like, shots, yeah. yeah you're it's like, a very quickly edited episode. You're like, what the hell? You're like, why is that one <laughs> racing? Like, Some guy gets shot and the announcer reminds us <laughs> That's that the, best the racetrack is not liable for any... Uh, any damage sustained, would you like to know who that announcer is? Yes. That announcer is Jonathan Lipow. Oh, he's uh, a regular. Uh, apologies. Yeah. Apologies for uh, that gentleman's last name. Animation voice actor. He's been on The Simpsons. Uh, he's in Overwatch 2. He's in God of War Ragnarok. And these are just recent things people might know him from. Uh, in Star Wars Visions, he's uh, B-20N uh, and T-Imperial Crew, as well as some additional voices what he has done the most for lucasfilm oh b2 actually hold on he's the protocol droid from the twins in the english dub oh okay which i've not seen because i watched it in japanese because uh my boyfriend is super picky like that the dub is really good i've heard the dub is really good one of these you should, days i will get around you should to at least it. watch the village bride because christopher sean is really good in that and it's always great to hear him back in star wars because i need more cast speaking of christopher sean what john lapel has done a lot of voice work for is resistance, resistance. he is in he is a lot of voices in resistance 
if, if a they, lot of them. He's kind of like their go-to if they need like a small bit part characters because he's also done like a lot of like Rebels and Clone Wars too. Like he's uh, like the I, dream. I, of I don't working see. For I don't see any Rebels or Clone Wars on his Wikipedia page. Let me see if it appears in IMDb. It, I could be wrong. It's fine. It's not appear. It's yeah. It looks like he mainly was just in Resistance, but he was Resistance's like go-to male voice actor. Like so, he's Stormtrooper number two, Stormtrooper number three, Stormtrooper number four, Pirate number two fuel tanker captain ai uh gork sorry uh he's the voice of the aeosians uh he's the voice of halion narc uh the nemoidian spy uh he's also the voice of glitch in in resistance so he's just a lot of voices in resistance get a voice little voice cameo here as an announcer i love that scene when the guy gets shot i can't believe they put that in there Uh, he is also the voice of Jet Venom in this episode as well. I believe Jet Venom is. I think he's one of the racers. This is the thing Charles should have researched. Jet. Yeah, he's Venom. like the the main racer, the one that is. I guess. Yeah, the, yeah. He's he's also the voice of Jet or Venom. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. So that's who that is. I thought that was a fun little cameo. I was a little confused about the Venom Crunch though, and the way it worked, because I was like, okay, so they have one racer come up behind Teo and like clamp him in place, and then the other one like like sabotages him from the front. Here's my question: Does Maleki have two racers on this course? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's it's like the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. It's the slingshot, and they gotta do the shake and bake. And they're on the same team. So he's paying off both yeah. racers. That's what right. it reminds me of. They're secretly working together. Or whatever. They are. He's like, paying yeah, both yeah. racers. Because, okay. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like Ricky Bobby. Can't believe I pulled that movie out of nowhere. <laughs> Look, it seems like an appropriate movie to bring up. The Ballad you of Jet sh- Venom. Shake and bake. And Wrecker's like, if you're not first, you're last, Tech. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Tail loses because, you know, plot has to happen. And, and this was a point where I was a little bit confused about how the wager worked. Because it, it's basically like there's a side wager and the Malega comes up and's like, give me the money. And so it's like, obviously I don't have the money on me. I'm not carrying a briefcase around. And Malega's like, nope, you're going to hand over. Like, does he mean, is he going to do like a like an electronic funds transfer? Like, I was a little confused on that, but I guess maybe he wanted her to like call her back and wire the money over i don't know i was a little confused on that he was gonna take it out of her flesh that's all wow okay this yeah, that, that's that's no that's the whole thing where omega was just like they're gonna hurt sid and i think because if sid would have won she would have had the money to be able to pay him for whatever or like actually if sid would have won she wouldn't have to pay him at all so she was betting on the wins and she was essentially like writing blank checks with money she didn't have and because right. she lost they were gonna hurt her <laughs> because he knew she didn't have the money she knew she didn't have the money and omega was the one that was just like ah <laughs> yeah she kind of made it sound like she she had the money but it wasn't with her but she was like good for it i i wish maybe some minor tweaks to the script to make it a little clear that she doesn't actually have the money to be paying him off i mean if she's yelling at them about power bills that is but... <laughs> true that is true that is an excellent point that i did not notice until hope pointed it out i just assumed that was sid being stingy as usual it's an excellent thank you hope for changing my perception of this you're episode welcome. you're welcome i it, it seems like those um slightly off point that i really like a lot of the visual storytelling in this of like what's not being 
being said. Like, there's a moment, like, where in this scene where Wrecker and Tech, like, are both, like, getting ready to, like, to protect Sid because she asked them. But there's also a scene earlier when Maleki first walks in. Wrecker doesn't say anything, but the shot goes to Wrecker and he immediately tenses and takes a step forward. And when Maleki approaches Omega, both Tech and Wrecker come up and, like, Jack kind of tilts his head just like, oh, if you fuck around, you will find out with this child. <laughs> like, there's a lot of little visuals with Tech and Wrecker where they're not saying anything, but, and that's what I've always liked about Tech is he he doesn't always say the right things. He's not the most amicable, am, amicable person that always says the, the nice or the right things, but he's a character of action, and his actions say what he truly feels. And we, of course, saw that in the first episode. Um, I always think back to the season finale when Crosshair and Omega, like Camino is sinking, and they're on the other side of the door. Tech, the weakest of, probably physically weakest of all of them, is trying to pull open the door with his bare fucking hands. And this is a latched, like a locked door, and he's pulling at it with his bare hands. And that's the kind of character he is. And there's a lot of little moments like this with Wrecker and Tech in this episode where they don't say anything, but they have a lot of visual storytelling of like stepping up to protect Omega, stepping up to protect Sid. And it's, they're not saying anything, but it's all in their visual storytelling. Speaking of Omega and Sid, I, I, I want to bring up this moment where Omega is basically like, we'll double or nothing it you know, kind of as this Hail Mary throw to save Sid, because it is very, one, it's very much a Sid thing to do for, to be like, oh no, we'll double or nothing it to buy time. Like she didn't learn that from anybody in the batch. That's a Sid thing that she picked up, but also the fact that she's willing to do that, that she's willing to, you know, throw, continue to throw themselves on the line to protect Sid, I think is something that is going to be super important to the rest of this season going forward. Cause they're really setting up, especially if there's a conversation later in this episode, whether or not Sid is going to be loyal to, as loyal to the batch as the batch is loyal to her. And I think it's, specifically Omega that's loyal to Sid because both Wrecker and Tech are both like maybe we don't do this and Omega's like no no we're gonna get <laughs> Sid back shut up I'm actually in charge here then can, can we go ahead and talk about that like that Malegi's Sid scene because I agree like and, and this is the exact reason why I do not think this episode is filler at all, filler at all because Sid has always have a had a soft spot for Omega like she's the one that was helping Echo train her in the energy bow she's the one that took Omega under her wing and it, it, it is okay if we drop jump to that point it is I have no notes on on the scene tech uh makes uh rebuilds Teo and it's funny and there's some conversation on whether or not they should have helped Sid. The only um, thing I have about that is I love Bench Wars going, where are my arms and legs? <laughs> that yes, we can jump ahead to the, because it's the next scene right after that is Sid and Malegi having their conversation. That is the exact reason why I do not think this episode is filler at all. Because we have been building, again, like from the first episode, like this is coming. The Empire will come for them. And starting from season one, like they've been slowly worming their way into Sid's heart. And I don't think she's used to having people who are loyal to her. And it's heavily insinuated with Maleki that Sid usually like cuts and runs from people. Like, cause he warns the batch multiple times of like, you better watch out for her. She's going to backstab you. And it's, 
it's been building up to this point to where at some point in the season, she's going to have to make a choice where it's them or her. And my sad tinfoil hat theory is I think she's going to give their li- her life for, for them. I don't think Sid's making it out this season. But we need episodes like this where it's building her character that if she does make the ultimate sacrifice, it builds the emotional residence of her demise. And that's why these kind of scenes are important. But I, I do think it's going to lead to a place where she's going to make the right choice and give them a chance to get away and she's going to take the fall for them. But it's it wouldn't work if we didn't have episodes like this. And that's why I do not think this is filler in any way, shape, or form. I also think it's, to an extent, the Hitchcockian bomb under the table. It's it's sort of a, a bit of drama that's underlying the season as a whole, and hopefully it will pay off. I'm not 100% confident about that, because uh, they didn't pay off shit last season. They but... said that... So, so, I, I, I seem to recall that somebody said in an interview that something from every episode is going to come back. Okay. Well, it's kind of that bit of dramatic drama underneath these episodes to kind of set up because it was mentioned kind of back in the first episode too that you know Sid was feeling the crunch and feeling the pressure and uh, potentially you know the the old Sid the quote-unquote real Sid would hang the batch out to dry and certainly season one Sid would have done that I don't know if season two Sid will but the question of whether or not Sid will is something that's gonna underline the rest of probably this season for us so I think it's interesting because, you know, I'll, I'll talk in a minute about where I feel like Tech was good, but not quite as strong as he needed to be in this episode. Sid is absolutely the central dramatic force of this episode. She gets all of the, like, interesting character moments that really reveal something new about her character. The tech stuff is fun, and it's fun to be with tech and see tech in a situation and discovering something new about himself, but Sid's scenes are the real dramatic one, which is why it's interesting that we've gotten a kind of a Sid-focused episode, but not really a Sid-focused This is what I wanted from Infested, by the way. This exact type of story is what I wanted. Yeah, just sprinkle in little bits of that, like like what her character is. I still stand by that Infested would have worked at the beginning of the season because it would have been their like kind of first like like adventure was said and then said it would start the whole thing of like if infested was at the beginning of the season like that would be their first outing with her then she, it would be her entryway of going like okay these guys kind of help me they're not as bad I, I still stand by infested should have been at the beginning of the season i do not disagree with that and in fact my feedback on hope's <laughs> coverage can actually be heard on a later episode of j guys where i talk at length as to why i think that episode was later on in the season is a little plug for j guys and jedi there thank you Sateo's back ready to go they're getting getting all good i do like how tech is pretty much just write the entire episode about everything which i do find immensely funny because everything tech points out in the first half of the episode comes up again in the race that tech is in it's that lovely like sexy setup and payoff a bunch of things are mentioned and then they pay off it's great it's good writing I, yeah, and I like the whole thing that like Teo wants to be like super hyper aggressive and that's being hyper aggressive is not always the answer and that's exactly what tech does like defense is the best way like defense and speed he doesn't need to be hyper aggressive and like harm anybody around him which I think is interesting coming from a soldier whose entire life has been how do we harm these 
use battle droids to get them out of their way to save people. And so coming from a life of a soldier, like finding a very peaceful, non-lethal way to like, I don't need to blast my enemies, I just need to outsmart them. And I thought that was a very poignant and nuanced kind of take on this, especially coming from him who's more consi- who's almost being more analytical than the very personable droid in the episode. It's also kind of a, a flip side of the coin to feel, don't think, use your instincts. Like, it, there's parts of this that reference the pod race and, and one big one that we'll get to. Uh, but this almost kind of mirrors it in a way to where that wouldn't work for Tech. That works for Anakin, but it wouldn't work for Tech. Tech doesn't have the Force, but what Tech has is his analytical skills. So in Tech's case, thinking actually is going to be the thing that gets him through it. Which I did think was a lovely little mirror to the pod race. My literal next note is LMAO by tail. <laughs> <laughs> and then his Dewey Duck line of like, I regret nothing i love him i i know that teo is probably going to be a very polarizing character like people are either going to really like him or really hate him um i'm I'm actually pleased to see i've seen most people being like yeah we love him but like he just feels like a star wars resistance character like if he just walked onto the colossus i think he would just fit right in like nobody would question it he just would be a racer on the colossus and he would fit so much into that show and teo's just a fun character like god forbid star wars is fun for 24 fucking minutes. I really liked him, but then I have a, shall we say, tolerance built up to annoying fucking twinks at this point. I see Bradley narrowing his eyes in the Zoom call. Oh, I wasn't sure if you were talking about Chris or Bradley. <laughs> um, Chris is not a twink. I'm a bad gay, don't judge me. I don't know uh, what these Chris mean. is not a twink. Is he, I've never met Chris, I've only seen his picture, so he, I only see him from like the shoulders, okay, <laughs> like on well, a Zoom call. Well, I'm informing you now, Chris is not a twink. <laughs> is Chris listening? Prob- probably. <laughs> Chris, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, stop, I'm a bad gay, leave me alone. For starters, I, I for starters, Chris has a... brain cells. Uh, I, that's your first clue. I'm, oh my God, really? <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, I'm the chat moderator for Pink Milk, and I had to have them explain to me what a kiki was, because I had no fucking clue. <laughs> Bradley's great. closing his eyes and judging me, everyone. It's fine. I'm a bad gay. Don't judge me. I think we need to start a new podcast where we just explain <laughs> terms. Please do. <laughs> oh my god, please do. That'd be so fucking we helpful explain, for me. It, we explain gay things. I, it's I, gay I, urban people. dictionary. Like, because like somebody made a joke once about like tapping their foot under the bathroom stall, and I was like, why? I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> If we weren't an explicit podcast to begin with, uh, (laughs) we would be demonetized for that I was too embarrassed. I had to Google it. I didn't know. Uh, Shout out out to our sponsor, Anchor, for uh, continuing to let us run their ads on our show. Right. I was going to say, we need a new sponsor. Our new sponsor is Sniffy's app uh, on... (laughs) Shout out to our new sponsor, Grinder Extra. <laughs> I just want to say, like, this is what life, at least for me, I don't want to say that this is for everybody, but this is my asexual life where I'm like, I don't need to think about what it means to tap your foot under a bathroom stall. I'm too busy thinking about cartoons. That's very You're fair. You're a very lucky person in that regard, to be honest. I could be thinking about Anne Rice vampires. Like, why, why do I need to think about this? Because let, t- let me tell you, kids... 
with your grinder and your tinder that uh there was a time before that and it was significantly harder y'all don't know how easy you have it listen to me talking like i'm fucking ancient if chris wasn't screaming before he probably is now chris i'm so sorry i called you a twink i'm so sorry <laughs> oh, please please don't kick it's me okay. off the lighting dice it's okay <laughs> You, we have, I, I have told you, I have met Chris in person. He is not a twink. That's true. I've only seen him on Zoom calls, so. Yeah, you I, only really seen him from the shoulders up. But isn't that a compliment, though? He I might think... take it as a compliment that he looks yeah. really young. Yeah, he, I was about to say, oh, isn't it a compliment? Great. He looks great. His skin, uh, I need his skincare routine, because his. that is the nicest thing I will ever say about Chris. I was about Chris to say, you're show. complimenting Chris. What's happening? Like, am I in the... Uh, like, where am I? It happens. That was it for the month. Uh, well, they got a second one because they just got their 100th episode. So I wrote them a very nice message in Aww. the Discord in one of the threads about how much I appreciate the show. Oh, gross. I know. It's horrifying. <laughs> Back to our show. <laughs> so Teo gets wiped out and then Malegi just shows up, which I found really funny because like... <laughs> Malegi's just there, like, waiting in the shadows with Sid. Don't be suspicious. Don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. Like, just hanging out. I want to talk about text choice to race. And this yes, is where... Yes, yes, This is where I felt the ball was kind of dropped and maybe Hope can give a different perspective because I felt like what the episode was going for, and it did it adequately enough, was that Tech does not think that they should be sticking their necks out for Sid. And when the opportunity comes up that Teo has been taken out, Sid is going to basically be held hostage by Malegi. And also Tech just kind of wants to do it. Tech steps up and decides to do it. But that didn't feel like quite strong enough of a moment for me to convey that. Hope, what was your thoughts on this? I, I will agree that the execution could have been better, but the reason that scene works for me is the conversation that he had with Taya beforehand about talking about why it's so interesting to him and why that how he genuinely enjoyed looking at everything and like analyzing it, and it was fascinating to him because I, I think I, I do think um, Ruins of War was a much stronger tech episode. I would definitely agree with that, but I. Like I was saying earlier, I I really like this idea of him finding interests outside of being a soldier and a mercenary. And I do think he's doing a little bit for, of it for Omega because she's the one that's the most adamant about all this. But I do think he honestly wants to. And because of the scene from earlier that he is developing this interest in this new side of his personality, and I think he honestly wants to try it. And I actually love the reaction from Wrecker because like Wrecker first laughs and then looks at him and, and like it shows how well Wrecker knows him where Wrecker laughs it off and then looks at him goes oh my god he's not joking like he can tell that from the look on records on tech's face because he knows his brother that well and i to go back to like i think crosshair last week crosshair to me the reason he doesn't leave is because he doesn't know who he is outside of his ability and there's um a, i'm about to paraphrase this just so you know one of my favorite youtube channels is cinema therapy where it's a therapist and a movie director and they go through movies and they the therapy the therapist talks about the therapy of the movies and the director talks about the director of movies they have this one line that they say a lot which is people don't change until the pain 
pain of staying the same finally outweighs the difficulty of changing. And I think that's where Crosshair is, is that the pain of staying the same of where he is hasn't outweighed how hard it would be for him to face, I don't know who I am outside of my abilities. Because all the Batch members, all the other, other Batch members, I should say, their abilities can go towards helping people in different ways. Like Hunter can track things, Wrecker's strong, Tech is smart, Echo is just well-rounded because he was a reg, but but Crosshair's ability is killing. That is his thing. And who is he outside of that if he can't be a sniper? And I don't think he's ready to delve into that side of himself, which is why I really love Tech in this episode, is a few times more in Ruins of War, where he's starting to see the world outside of himself and starting to like re- to have that major paradigm shift of, I don't know everything. I just assumed that this was a separatist data disc or whatever, but it's no, it's it's Serenian, and I need to change my paradigm. And that's where he is here. Like, he could have just been like, oh, we're just doing this mission, but his paradigm is shifting to, I'm actually really enjoying this. I really am happy to be here. Like, I'm having a good time. And so when he is presented with this opportunity of, I can do this thing and give it a try and see if I like it. And that's, and and I'm going to circle back to this at the end after the race, but I, I agree that it could have been executed stronger. Like, I would almost like him to be a little bit more adamant about it or like have just like a little bit of excitement of just like oh my god I'm doing this but I I do think it works because of the previous scene of setting up that this is his interest and he wants to try it for his honest to good self and saving Sid as a plus for Omega. Or even just a moment of hesitation like that's that's more clear beforehand because I think he hesitates a little bit and then says he'll do it. Uh, Just something something extra but yeah I do think tech is interesting to to compare and contrast with Crosshair in the last episode. I think it was a good choice to put these two episodes next to each other, uh, especially coming off the back of the first two, which I didn't think were that interesting when I watched them, but in hindsight, they're doing some interesting things with the themes that are emerging of the season, uh, which, again, I know a lot of people in our sphere of things have seen the first 14 episodes. We have not. That is partly my fault. Okay, so the racer introduction scene. <laughs> great I, I is that the droid from the phantom menace who just like i feel like that droid who got c-3po's head stuck on his body was just or got his head stuck on c-3po's body was just like i really love that life and like he was just like i'm gonna go and find me a, a protocol droid and put my head on it and i'm just gonna live my best phantom menace life. well there's also it's just good. a whole ass protocol droid like i have the scene kind of playing a little bit just to double check and yeah that's a whole ass protocol droid uh as well in the thing i was so sad because i thought the red one was mr bones I was so sad. <laughs> We're a little early. We're a little I know, early for I know. my boy I just Mr. Saw, Bones. I saw Red Droid and I was like, Miss Bones! Although Mr. Bones does appear in Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. Not even his DLC. You can just get him in the base I game, which kicks ass. I love as him. <laughs> Also, I'm looking at the red one, the BX series droid, the assassin droid or whatever, and his name is, uh, he's got like some name, but then it's, he's also known as the War Gnome. <laughs> what? I, I love all their names. Does that make any sense to you guys? Like, what the hell does that nope. mean? 
that I feel the like war somebody gnome. like they were just like throwing up like names. They're like, sure, that works. Well, it's all it, so. This is a double bit. This is a rare double bit. They're doing two jokes here. Bradley, have you watched the Phantom Menace on Disney Plus specifically? Ah, uh, is it the no. like extended version? It's the extended version. Do you oh, know oh. what they added into the extended version of the like Phantom Menace? Twelve more minutes of pod racing. <laughs> Do you know what one of those those things they added to the pod racing was? Um, is it a backstory I, of that guy who's uh, I don't know. He's racing for so. his family. Neither or neither of you know. I okay, know. so I have watched the Phantom Menace on on Disney Plus, and one of the things that they added because I do not remember this being in the movie when I was a kid, but they added an extended sequence where they go through every single pod racer and they list them all off. They go through every single Classic. one, and it, this is a reference to that. That I was about to say because I I thought that that scene was really funny. I was like, this is really long. This is a lot of racers. It's really long. It's not in the original movie. I am I am one hundred percent. Yeah, because in the it. original one, like there's literally like twelve racers. Like you can't list yeah. every single one. It take they forever. go through every <laughs> single one in the version that's on uh, Disney Plus. Right. I like the how they simplified version. it a little bit because they were like, here's Sebulba and here's Anakin. That's all you really need to know because that's what they did in the theatrical win. cut of the film. But when they re-released it in three D, I believe was when they added this sequence in. This is a reference to that. Uh, also, it just it, the punchline of tech is really fucking funny. It, it was such a episode one. Kaz, Kaz, Ziono. All right, Kaz, Kaz, Ziono. <laughs> Uh, I, my next note literally is, though, that this is very resistance. Uh, also kind of Knights of the Old Republic in a bit with the swoop racing, but also, more resistance. Resistance meet Mario Kart. Yeah. This is very, what is it, Vox Vortex 5000? Mm -hmm. Very the race from the opening scene. And Bradley wouldn't even remember Vox Vortex because he never watched season two. If Star Wars ever gives us an extended break again, we will go through resistance but they have to give us an extended break. I was going to no, say, because totally it's that. like 20-ish, 24 episodes-ish, so it's like, yikes. Like, they better give us a long time. <laughs> well... So I've I've been taking my boyfriend through Star Wars, um, and we have now watched all of the Clone Wars. We've watched the Bad Batch and or uh, Rebels. We have watched all of the films. The only thing that we haven't watched yet is Resistance. And he's a little confused, I feel like, because I think he's like, why are we watching Resistance? Why are, why are you insistent on watching? He doesn't know yet. So it's going to be really interesting to take him through Resistance as well, uh, because he's never seen so that's going to be a fun one. I just love showing people resistance and making them sit through the whole thing because it's not what you think it is. I'm fond of saying the first season of Resistance and Star Wars Andor have exactly the same themes. Yes, they do. And everything that people love about Andor is all those things they shit on about Resistance. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> stop it. No, it's doing the same themes. Resistance did specifically the rise of fascism and how it takes over a community as well. It's, it's the same theme. You have to watch the show. You have to get past episode five. I, I think everybody gets so caught up with the slapstick which i i welcome fully because when you have scenes of aliens putting on being put on like shipping containers to be shipped off to camps you know like horrible things that has happened in our history i'd like to watch kaz fall down the stairs to you know break up that tenseness please it is also extremely funny to watch kaz fall down the stairs yes somebody does super cut of just him screaming it was, just, <laughs> it was 
great. Watching Kazuto Ziono get shit on is just one of my favorite things about that show. Because he's so inept. And I think people miss how dark it gets. Like, there's a scene where he stuns Pyre in season two, and he looks at his blaster and goes, Aw, it was set to stun. Because he wanted to fucking murder that man for blowing up his goddamn planet. Well, uh, spoilers for Resistance. Good news! Good news, Kaz, about uh, what you're ultimately going to get to do. Anyway. Indirectly. Let's get to the hot race. Okay, so, yeah. My only note is it's really hot. I really love it. I, the visuals are great. The Kiner's music is so good. Like, taking Kiner's music from last week, which was very, like, Clone Wars at times, but it also had a lot literally of, Literally like... the clone theme plays at one point. We pointed this out to Colton. Yeah. Literally the clone theme plays. It's heavy, and it's somber, and it's a much slower pace. And then you get to, like, the race scene in this, and it's very synthesized. It's upbeat. It feels like... It, it reminds me actually kind of a little bit of, to show my weeaboo-ness, uh, a little bit of Hazardous Highway from Kingdom Hearts 2, which is probably one of my favorite Kingdom Hearts pieces of music. I cannot drive to that because I have gotten into a fender bender listening to that song. But like, it it just feels like a video game theme of just like, dun 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 And it's it just, it's fast paced. And it's so, it shows Kiner's range from like the somber tones of last week to like the more upbeat synthesized like it's gonna be energetic and i really i cannot wait for this this soundtrack to drop because i really loved the music in the scene uh yes i i love having soundtracks for things yes season three four of rebels and all season of three or four of rebels and all of resistance yeah, yeah but that's, where's that's my michael, official soundtracks for that's, those that's michael tavera who did the soundtrack of resistance so that's a, that's a little bit harder because it's a different composer. the kinders did rebels i'm pretty sure kiner did do rebels kiner did i think that both kiners did clone wars and i think both kiners did rebels but i think I, only kevin is doing bad batch yeah um but that the entire scene was, was hot when like tech was just like i need to drop this weight and like throws off his parts so i was just like you could throw off more well, he, tech he throws off specifically the weapons yeah he takes off the weapons which is very star wars he could have also taken off his pants so i could see his weapon <laughs> like, you could have thrown that off and saved some weight as well you know throw off the shirt wow <laughs> yeah you can I tell you the present that my my friend from the Geeky Waffle got me? <laughs> what what did your friend from the Geeky Waffle get you? So Candace, who is my friend slash sort of boss, but more like we're like coworkers. Um, she got me artwork of Tech shirtless with his pants just pulled down enough to see a happy trail, and I'm like, I love you, Candace. You know me so well. Thank you for Christmas. <laughs> Yay, Christmas! Bradley hope. is trying desperately to hold it together in the. the <laughs> Bradley is closing his laptop. He is done. Uh, he is done. With I've this left episode. the conversation. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, that's hilarious. Uh, she was like, I know what you like. And I'm like, yes, you do. Thank you. And she's like, that's your bonus. <laughs> and I was like, yay. I love working for this channel. Uh, I like that, that Tech dropped the weapons. I thought it was very Star Wars. Uh, and the race was very good. It was very well directed. The music was excellent. I, I don't, I have no, it's, it's such, it's am I going to do on this race other than it's, it it's was fine. Really Let Star Wars be fun. It's fun. Let Star Wars be fun. 
Star Wars should be fun more often. Yes, yes. When there's a franchise with wars in the title, it's okay if it's fun every once in a while. Where we can have the Umbara arc of Clone Wars, uh, but we can also have the droid arc sometime. By that I mean the C3PO and R2D2 duology in season two, where they have the little uh, Gulliver's Travels adventures, which are episodes. I that love are interesting those episodes. Like. Uh, not referring to the D Squad arc in season uh five which i hate and are my boyfriend's favorite episodes of the show they're george lucas's favorite too yeah (laughs) Yeah. there's some arguments that have happened in this house over Wars episode i i really want to talk about those scene though after the race when tech is getting cheered for where tech is getting cheered for which do we think that's the first time tech has ever gotten cheered for something in his life that's exactly what i was about to say like that scene made me so incredibly emotional and i got like really sappy from it and i think it's from a character perspective i think it is something that he never got once growing up because remember the bad batch are not regular clones because one thing we saw throughout clone wars was regular clones would get occasional praise like if you think of something like with waxer and boyle meeting numa when they're leaving the 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 ryloth village the entire village is like waving at them and just like thank you for saving us but the bad batch were special were essentially special ops they get in get out move on to the next thing don't form attachments they don't have a jedi general you know they they are just constantly moving I and, I and I think it's a far more thankless job compared to what the regular clones got. So I honestly think that this is the first time tech is being really recognized and praised for something that's outside of like Hunter being like, good job, guys, on to the next. And I don't and it's being praised not for being a soldier, not for being a mercenary, but being something that he genuinely wanted to do and he is good at. Now, from a narrative perspective, here's the thing. He used his real name and his face. And I have a feeling that the Empire is going to somehow catch on. That there is a clone with name tech, somebody that they're aware of and looking for. <laughs> and even though it's a shady planet, the moment that it starts getting around that, hey, there's this hot racer that's hot new racer on this planet named tech i have a feeling that there's a chance that the empire is going to hear about it and they're going to be following up on this and i wouldn't be surprised if that was a way for them to pull this back it depends on how shady the planet is but i i think if something comes back to bite them it's going to be this scene and i think that's going to be one of the things that gets the empire back on their trail because this is a very public scene of tech just being like hi guys i did a thing and you know if hunter was there or echo they'd be like what are you doing put your helmet back on (laughs) but they're not and i love this scene emotionally for him as a character and if if this does come back to bite them this is the other place where this episode is not filler but it really depends on whether or not they i i think they're more likely to follow up on the sid stuff than follow up on this stuff but this is the other thing that i think that they could kind of pull back on or go back to i should say i have nothing to add to that <laughs> that that was just that was everything that was in my notes uh with that scene so um i'm just gonna let that stand on its own and a beautiful face and like right before the screen wipe he starts to smile and i wish they would have left it there for like one more second because he flicks his fingers and he starts to smile but they have the screen wipe and it makes me sad <laughs> i was like let him smile two more quick notes about the end of the episode i like how malegi is actually honorable i i do think that's neat and honors his end of the bargain and kind of tries to warn the batch about 
about Sid. My final note is that, uh, yeah, something bad's gonna happen to Sid. I, do you think that Malegi is letting them go now because he's starting to catch on their clones and he might turn them in? And it might I, be more I think profitable. He's just, I think he's just letting him go because that was the deal that they made. Yeah, I think it's like gangster rules, right? Like you're it's just like, oh, rules. well, yeah, we yeah. like, we respect each other, even though we're vying for territory or money or whatever, right? Like it's still like, well, we have to, we're still playing a game and that game has to be respected. I am, because I'm, I'm kind of torn, like if he's more of a Hondo type who was very much like a, you know, a pirate's honor kind of person, or if he's just playing a long game of, I think, I recognize them from a bounty. I need to look this up and at least I now know where they are. Well, I also think that like even with the scenes with Sid and Malegi, I think that they have a history and whether or not that history is like we've worked together or that's their romantic. Um, because I don't know why I was getting those vibes that they maybe He's have like a history history. I was gonna say, I don't know. I it seemed like he was like, I don't think she's ever really in any danger, you know, kind of thing. Like I feel like it was kind of one of those things where he was like, Well, I've got you back now you know i don't know i also think that malegi is the type that he doesn't want attention and that's that's another thing too when it comes to like communities of hustlers like this the last thing they want is attention from the the comps the last thing they want is attention from the feds so he's not going to bring something down on himself or sid that if the empire moves into uh into his racetrack there's a good chance they're going to shut it down or they're not going to let him leave but he's not going to be able to leave or they won't leave so i i don't think if something happens related to this i don't think it's going to be malegi i think that he really just let them go because that was the conclusion of their business tech one they get sid back uh the deck gets wiped and that is that I, he, we also see the like the guy the the racer the venom racer was gonna like shoot tech and he's like no 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 we're, we're just gonna let him go because that's the smart play here we're gonna go on with our business and keep making money Alrighty, well that's all my notes for the episode hope do you have anything we didn't cover that you want to cover he's so beautiful i love my tech he's so handsome I just want to want to just take the, you know that scene in Lilo and Stitch where they first meet Lilo or they first meet Stitch and they're talking about how gross he is and it's the it's the image of like Stitch stuck up to the side of the test tube and he's just like licking all over it. I just want to do that to his glasses, <laughs> his face. I thought you were going to bring up the fact that Malegi is like basically the same type of creature as the giant. Oh whale my god, alien. he is. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what i thought you were gonna say and then you took it to a whole nother level i mean and you're I not this gonna wrong. be a cute innocent little comparison I fuck all that right. alien too all right disney where, where are you uh poli disney I'm please a, come in here quick oh my I, god i have my monster fucker card somewhere around here like i thought i didn't have one i thought i was not a monster fucker and then Skier happened, I'm gonna and let Black you know. Kersantan happened. Everyone's a furry and a monster fucker. They just don't want to admit it. <sighs> Everyone oh. is. I, I simply think that two penises. <laughs> I think and I hear the, the music playing for our credits. It's so weird. I, I, think, it's, I think it's already the social that's a joke. music is playing. That's a that's joke you'll get if you listen to For Light and Dice. Everyone's, uh, a, reference. everyone's a furry and I'm, have you ever thought a vampire is hot or a werewolf i will not be answering any of those questions however you can listen to our upcoming teen war rewatch podcast if you've ever thought a vampire or a werewolf is hot you're a monster fucker 
it, we will be premiering on Tyler Posey's <laughs> broke only Bradley. Fans, I guess. <laughs> you broke Bradley. Well, great. I have to find somebody else to do the Teen Wolf rewatch podcast with. Oh God, I would do. I I could not. I could not finish Teen Wolf. I cannot be of help. I have after, never finished it. I after, watched the first season. I was like, "This is garbage." And then, I I watched up to the Evil Style season, which I really liked, and then everything after that, I was like, "No, nah, I'm done." Yeah, I'm gonna watch the movie next week when it comes out, but it's it's a lot. Uh, Bradley, you want to give us your final thoughts on the episode, or your thoughts in general? You you didn't have a lot of notes with this one. Yeah, I mean, I. I, like I said, it was just for me, I, it was just a racing episode. So I wasn't like too like serious about it, but I, I like, I like what they're going in the direction of like, okay, here's the crosshair episode. Here's the tech episode. I hope they continue this trend. Um, I mean, next week is called entombed. Maybe it's an episode where Wrecker and Omega are stuck in a cave together or something. And we get character development for Wrecker. I don't know, but like, I, I hope that maybe there's just one more singular bad batch member who gets an episode and then we can start getting into more of the other stuff because i think the episode after that is tribe which is going to be the gunji episode i'm assuming so we'll see how it goes but i i liked it overall i think it was great i just wasn't like blown away like i was with crosshairs episode hope you got any any final thoughts in the episode for us I had the realization about Bad Batch this week because I always, I, I think after Resistance and Rebels and the kind of the back half of of Clone Wars that this was going to be a serial show. And it kind of clicked with me that no, this show follows more of the first three seasons of Clone Wars. It's more episodic and there's nothing wrong with that because those episodic episodes of Clone Wars are just as important to build like who Anakin and Ahsoka are on these little one-off adventures. And I, it, it's faster the best written and directed and executed episode of the bad batch no it's not but it's probably my personal favorite episode i have had a fucking riot watching this i had the biggest smile on my face i absolutely loved it and it just reminded me so much of those early clone wars episodes and so much of star wars resistance and it again just put into my little character loving heart that character development is plot and it's important. So even if it's not like changing the galaxy and like making Death Stars and stuff like that, character development is plot is just as important as the rest of it. What about you, Charles? Uh, my final thoughts in the episode, it's it's good. I mean, I there's not a whole lot that I can say about this episode yet. Uh in terms of like the over my overall thoughts on it, I'm waiting kind of sort of to see its place in season. Part of me wants to call it some interesting setup for things that will probably happen, especially related to Sid and Tech. Uh, but part of me wants to say it was just a fun racing show. And I like when Star Wars is racing uh, because that also is fun when it's well directed and an interesting script and I was it the episode of resistance where um uh he's up against Jaeger's up against is it his brother I think it's his brother that he's up against it is Marcus Marcus, Marcus Speedster yeah it's an excellent episode just a racing episode so I really enjoy when Star Wars is racing that is um, hands down one of the best episodes of season one too because it's not Death Star level stakes it's all just personal drama so I mean, that's that's my final thoughts overall. I can't tell whether or not this is a really good episode because it's fun or a good episode because it's set up for something that's going to happen. I guess retroactively, we'll see uh, if you're a person who's listening to this in the future, uh, because I know people have gone 
one back and listen to our coverage of specific shows. Uh, you know and I don't at time of recording whether or not uh, this is something that's going to be important for later on. Well, Hope, thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about this episode. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you other than on For Light and Dice, which we've already discussed. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, thank you for letting me uh, volunteer you guys to let me be on the episode. <laughs> That rarely happens, by the way. Uh, normally, I go out to our guests and be like, hey, do you want to come on and do this? Hope messaged me and was like, can I come on and talk about this I, episode? I was like, I, yes, absolutely. I normally wouldn't have done that if you hadn't had given us an open invitation. It's true. Before. I did give the flab people an open invitation to come Because usually, like, I'm just sitting there going, well, I want to talk to people, too. <laughs> so, but, like, Charles did give us an open invitation, which is why I was just like, let me talk about tech. Um... Uh, you can find me a lot of places, actually. Um, I have my brain just stopped. Uh, you can find me at J Guys and Jedi. Uh, that is my podcast that I do with my friend Chris, uh, not the Chris from Dark Side Divas, uh, my Chris, um, who is a wonderful fifty-five-year-old hippie who is an original Star Wars fan, and I am a new fan, so we we mesh and talk about things. But uh, you can also find me at uh, Dark Side of the Force. I'm a contributor for them, and I write about a bunch of different Star Wars stuff over there. I am a staff writer for the Geeky Waffle, where I'm actually reviewing Bad Batch Weekly. That is my assignment, and I'm having the best time doing it over there as well. Where I also write about all sorts of other animation stuff, like Owl House and other fun things. And uh, of course, you can find me on For Light and Dice, and I'm also the chat moderator for Pink Milk on Wednesday nights, where I had to learn what a kiki is. <laughs> so, because I didn't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of where you can find me, and you can follow me at Hope Mullinex on Twitter. Awesome. And uh, we will be back next week with another episode of Bad Batch. And you can also find me on For Light and Dice. In the meantime, we just started our second story arc, which is a lot of fun. All right, Bradley, go ahead and run the social. Thank you for listening to Gold Squadron Gaze. Did Charles fuck something up? Send us a message at goldsquadrongaze at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Gold Squad Gaze. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Gold Squadron Gaze. Subscribe to us on YouTube at Gold Squadron Gaze, where we post the podcast as well as exclusive content. Please join us next week and every week for more of Gold Squadron Gaze. Uh, oh oh by the way um tell yoda uh that um i do have the stuff that he left at the place uh i did manage to grab it uh <laughs> so i will get it back to him uh when i figure out legally how to get it from point a uh to point b in a timely manner he will know what it means <laughs> okay that might be have have something to do with us just recording for tales of the jedi where we think he might have accidentally actually murdered yaddle anyway uh, <laughs> i don't i definitely don't know anything about that um is what my lawyers have told me to say